0: Today's episode of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Now on with the show. Welcome in Eagles fans to another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team Every day, Louis DiBiase joining you on this Wednesday edition of the show alongside my co-host, Gino Camilleri. Gino, what's up, brother? How you doing Uh, the past couple days? Obviously some big news about Brandon Brooks tearing his Achilles on Monday. And uh, I didn't get your initial thoughts on Monday when I reacted on the show. So uh, just just go ahead, man. Like this was a killer injury. And I just, (laughs) it's going on year four of this where the Eagles just lose star after star, key player after key player to injuries. And I just, I don't know when it's going to stop.
1: You talk about injury prone, and I think you could finally put that label on Brandon Brooks. Like It's unfortunate because he's so damn good when he actually right. is on the field, but he does get hurt time and time again. And But did you see him today? There was a video of him doing, yeah, jiu-jitsu, doing uh, jiu-jitsu in a boot.
0: In a, in a boot. I mean- he's playing in December. I tweeted it
1: today. Like If they're in the playoffs, like it wouldn't shock me. He came back in seven, eight months last time. It's he's, a second he's got morning. it down pat. He knows yeah. how to do it. He's already gone through the rehab one time. If it heals quickly, maybe we do see him, but it does suck, man. I feel bad for him because he just signed that big deal too. It's He's one of the leaders there, especially with that whole Carson Wentz thing that went down last year. They talked about him kind of stepping up and really right. rallying the, the troops together. But if there's one position group, and I tweeted this out the other day, that I don't really ever sweat about when there's an injury, it's the offensive line just because Stoutland is so good and you have a track record of – how well he did game planning for holes throughout the past how many years on that offensive line? I mean, between Lane Johnson when he went out for suspension that one year, the one year he had to move Lane to left tackle. I mean, they bring in Isaac Sayamalu, move him from center to guard. He's in a guard rotation. He's able to bring in Big V and make him a Super Bowl-winning left tackle. And to me – People don't mention how going into that Seattle game, that they only had three out of their five starting offensive linemen going into that game, and you would have never thought it with the way that their score ended up. And the reason is because Matt Pryor did an excellent job, and who else was out that game? That was um,
0: Lane Johnson was out too, right? Yeah, Lane
1: Johnson was out that game as well, and you could just say that they did an excellent job overall replacing them. And to me, Matt Pryor... I think he has one of the higher ceilings for the rotational guys that they have there, and they've been high on him for quite some time. And I, I think he can fill that role, but it is nice that you have Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson in between him to kind of to kind of work it down a little bit. But all in all, it sucks, man. Brooks is an All Pro; he's arguably the best guard in the NFL. Really does suck, but but to me, I, I trust Jeff Stoutland and everything he does. Uh, arguably, probably the most trustworthy person. In the organization, uh, I also mentioned this, after Dante Skarnecchia has left, it's hard, It's going to be hard-pressed to find a better offensive line coach right now than Jeff Stoutland. I mean, you could probably make a case for um, probably Dallas, I mean, probably Pittsburgh for the most part, but to me, Stoutland for just his, his entire tenure that he's been here and just, going through how many guys on the offensive line the past couple seasons and still seeing success I mean all in all these offensive line units have ranked out in the top five year over year with Stoutland at the helm so to me it does suck but I I truly believe that they can get over this hump.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they do trust Matt Pryor all season. Um, they also have Jack Driscoll, you know, a rookie fourth round pick out of Auburn that's a versatile player. Um, not a lot of veteran depth, though, and there are some pretty high quality starters out there. I mean, normally you can't find offensive linemen in June available in free agency that are. Yeah, At the level of somebody like Larry Warford, who's made the Pro Bowls mm-hmm. three straight years at 29 years old, you know, um, so there are some players available, Ron Leary, Josh Klein, um, There, there are players available, and I do wonder, I kind of talked about this on Monday, you know, do they want to go in with... Two inexperienced starters and Andre Dillard at left tackle and a Matt Pryor at right guard. Or you know maybe if they stick with Pryor at right guard, do they feel better bringing in Jason Peters at left tackle? Or maybe Peters plays right guard. I don't know what they're going to do, but you know you're not going to just instantly fill those giant shoes that Brandon Brooks left. I mean, yes, two uh, two Achilles injuries in two years is like really bad and it's it's a brutal blow for a 31 year old player that you just signed to a big deal but you know he bounced back last year and he was, to me, the best offensive lineman in football still. So uh, those are giant shoes the Eagles have to fill. And if you missed all my takes on uh, the Brooks injury, you can head over to any podcast platform and subscribe to Locked on Eagles, or head over to com. On today's episode, me and Gino, we're doing this all-time Eagles draft. We're gonna, it's going to be a two-episode series, either Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday, where myself, Gino Camilleri, Lars Lewis, and Jordan Hanskin, we're going to do an all-time Eagles draft, and we're going to put all four teams into Madden and we're going to watch the simulations it'll be a lot of fun so it's kind of it's a fantasy draft with Eagles players from every era available. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And uh, sticking on that theme of, you know, different eras of Eagles football, today I wanted to get into some QB questions that I'm going to ask Gino. I've seen a lot of these, you know, thrown back and forth on Twitter. You know, during the quarantine period with no live sports, everybody's, you know, trying to find different things to talk about in the sports world. And, you know, I've kind of seen people talk about best of all time, right? We did the what ifs and, um, you know, we kind of got into the best individual seasons for Eagles quarterbacks and best individual games. And all these different questions. So, I'm going to ask Gino five different quarterback related questions about the Eagles throughout the franchise's history uh, that will relate to these all time draft episodes coming up because, you know, we're going to have decisions to make on we, if we want Carson Wentz to be our quarterback, Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, you know, Nick Foles, you name it. So, that's coming up on today's edition of the show. But, Gino, before we get into that, Doug Peterson was available to the media on Tuesday morning, obviously, to talk about this devastating loss that is uh, Brandon Brooks tearing his his Achilles Uh, again for the second time since 2018 he'll most likely be out for the season not sure if he'll be able to come back for a playoff run but most likely the Eagles are going into 2020 without to me their I would say maybe second best player on the entire roster maybe Mm -hmm. outside of Carson Wentz um So Peterson was talking about that, but you know, he also mentioned a lot of things that were uh, interesting about the wide receiver position and that we were talking about a lot on Friday because me and you on Friday did an episode about who's the third wide receiver for the Eagles this year because I think it's safe to say Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, they're going to be your two receivers ideally that are on the field at all times, granted that they stay healthy and they produce. Then we talked about, can J.J. white whiteside bounce back in year two? Uh, will Marquise Goodwin be able to stay healthy? What about Greg Ward? Can he continue the magic he was pulling off down the stretch last year? And we hit on Elshon Jeffrey a little bit. I think both of us are... Kind of agree that with that massive cap hit, with the regression in his play last year, in this really bad list Frank injury, that if they can, let's say he gets like he's going to be on the roster while he's recovering from this injury, but when he gets healthy, if they can find a trade partner that can get them out of this hellhole, you know, money wise, that they would likely take it especially with the suspicion that he was the anonymous source talking bad about Carson Wentz the last two years. Like, I don't know, I feel like since January, everybody's assumed that maybe Jeffrey's on the team for a little bit in 2020, but it's more so because they have no other choice. But now, I don't know, again, you don't want to go by what a team says. Rather, you want to look at what they do, see Doug Peterson talking about Carson Walsh and Mike Groh being a big part of the offense in 2020, and then they both get fired a day later. But at the same time, and again, they tried to trade Alshon last year. They've, you know, drafted three receivers in this past draft. They traded for Marquise Goodwin. You know, Deshaun Jackson's coming back healthy. They have a second-round pick in J.J. I think Whiteside last year. They want to invest in and hope he bounces back and properly develop. So what they're saying you know, with their actions, doesn't really show faith in Elshon Jeffrey long-term or even this year. However, Howie Roseman keeps talking about how he's going to be a big part of this offense. Doug Peterson did again yesterday and really gave Jeffrey props about being a good veteran leader to all these young receivers. And I don't know, man, I'm not as, again, I would like I I hope the scenario that plays out is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside really produces and shines in year two. Jalen Rager is as advertised. Deshaun Jackson stays healthy. You can roll with those three, and you don't need Alshon Jeffrey. So if a trade does come, you can take that. But I will say... I don't know, the injury almost gives the Eagles time because let's say Jeffrey starts out of a PUP list, he misses the first six weeks. You can use those six weeks to evaluate our Thego Whiteside, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Greg Ward, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, and then when Jeffrey's available, you can go from there. I think that helps you a lot because there is a scenario where I'm not as bullish now about Jeffrey being on the team because let's say J.J. looks the same as he did last year. Goodwin can't stay healthy. You know, at that point you might need Alshon.
1: That's what I said to you the other day. I mean, we were talking about the wide receiver three, that discussion becomes a lot easier if Alshon's in the mix, because to me, I mean, he still has the talent level to be a one B or just a very good number two wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, if he's healthy, he can still use his skill set to his advantage. Of course. It's a big what if, right? It is a big if. I mean, there's a lot of ifs in the NFL and, that, that's the thing with the Eagles is that how do they fill the question marks? And, and to me, at the wide receiver position, it kind of is like a no-lose almost because, hey, if Elshon does come back, you have this veteran leader that they talk about, and and everything you're hearing from Doug and Howie, maybe Elshon turned the other cheek, man. Like maybe he just says, okay, I'm going to buy in for one more year. I can finally get out of here, and, and maybe it was overblown what he said last year. I don't know. I mean – I just had this in my head on the Terrell Owens like we're we're talking about all time QBs and the all time Eagles draft like on the Terrell Owens drama meter of quarterback controversy I put the Elshon thing at like a three like I, I don't think it's that big of a deal I mean he saw success with Carson Wentz so why would you just like turn back on that it doesn't make sense to me and and truly like he we talk about all these other guys reaping the rewards of this offense this now able to stretch the defense offense with a 4-by-100 team that would just blow every other team out of the water. We talk about J.J. reaping the rewards from that. We talk about Miles. We talk about Zach, and we talk about Dallas. If Elshon's in the mix too, man, that makes his life a hell of a lot easier because if you have to have man-on-man coverage because you have to bracket Deshaun Jackson down the field with a safety and a cornerback and then you have Jalen Rager or Marquise Goodwin or Hightower one of these guys and you have to put three guys covering to that side of the field Elshon Jeffries one of the best man beating wide receivers in the entire league so it makes his life a hell of a lot easier as well moving forward because to me when he was out there last year and he was out there the year before that you knew what he was going to be you knew he was going to be a guy that was big and plotting and He just would go 10 yards, and it would be a 50-50 ball. But now if you have to play man-on-man with him, he can just absolutely tear you up when he's not getting double-covered all the time.
0: Yeah, I don't know. For me, again, I I still want the Eagles to not need him next year because that means J.J. Ortega. Because if Ortega-Whiteside produces... You're playing with you house know, money if you no, get sure. anything out of him. But like, if Ortega-Whiteside is what you hoped he would be coming out of Stanford, then ideally you don't need Alshon next year. So that's still mm-hmm. what I'm hoping for because that is such a giant cap hit. And I don't know, man, Like I, I still, yes, I think if healthy, and again, it's a big if for a guy when he comes back. And he was already a guy, whereas yeah, like he still produced at the end of the year against Miami. He had a big game, but there was a lot of bad drops last year with Alshon, I, I think he wasn't the same player as he was in 2017 and 2018, and I still believe he was the source. I mean, there's just so much that connects him mm-hmm. with that, and especially when you see that article by Jeff McClain last month that the Eagles tried to trade Alshon right around the same time those comments came out. So, But at the same time, I'm not where I was like a month, a month ago where I'm saying, get him off the team no matter what, mm-hmm. because I started to think about it, and I'm like... Yeah, I, I'm nervous about Arthegai White's side, and Go- Marquise Goodwin has never been able to stay healthy outside of one season in his entire career. And then you yeah. don't know what you're going to get in Greg Ward, John Hightower, and Quez Watkins. And we know Deshaun Jackson's 34, so there's too many what ifs mm-hmm. to just, you know, eat that giant cap hit without recouping anything back. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the, you know, the injury is a good thing, but it almost gives the Eagles this optionality where it gives them this time to evaluate what they have in all of these young players. And then by the time Alshon comes back, I you know maybe around week six, again, this is if he's put on the PUP, uh, they'll know what they have and they'll know if they need him or not. So that that's where I'm at now is I'm okay with him being in-house until then, and then we'll kind of go from there at that point.
1: Absolutely, and that's that was the second caveat to that win-win situation that I was talking about, that if he does come back and he does have success, hey, you're you're playing with house money and this guy that you thought was just going to be this, like, cap dumpster fire that you had and a guy who might not even play for you for this season and he's on the books for $26 million, Yeah, that would look bad for sure. But if he comes back and, I mean, you talk about his drops last year, Lou, I'm going to just throw out some statistics for you. 2019 compared to 2017. He finished in 2019 with a 58.9% catch percentage versus 47.5 in 2017. Also, he finished a yard a .1 yards per target higher in 2019 than he did in 2017, and that's 6.7 versus 6.6. And yards per game, he only finished .3 less than he did in 2017 in 2019, going from 49.3 to 49. So, I mean, he if he can be healthy. And you know that I think it was 2018 when he came out and he was looking good and you're like, man, he definitely looks better than he did in 17. He looks refreshed. He looks recuperated. I mean, he's going to have a ton of time off, Lou, with everything that's going on if he starts on the PUP list. You might have this rejuvenated player in Elshan that we've been talking about that you're going to get into Sean from the same amount of rest that you've seen out of him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the the numbers do say that. I just I don't remember seeing that kind of production last year. And I, I mean, maybe too it was Definitely. because he wasn't one hundred percent healthy. But I just didn't see the same Alshon as the the past couple of years. But I, I will say though, you know, being that against the Miami Dolphins when he was getting healthier down the stretch. I mean, he did tear that secondary up, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, he suffers a Liz Frank injury just a week later. So I'm not saying this guy is completely 100% shot. Um, I'm just, again, I'm hoping the Eagles have invested a lot um, at this position in young prospects. And if Alshon, yes, I I still think he could be a good player in this offense if he's healthy, but if he is a big part of this offense, that means that J.J. was a bust and all those other guys that you invested in maybe aren't shining to the point that you would like. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. They, it, it is good, I guess, to have him in-house still, though, because it does give you that fallback option, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward on that. We've got to hit one break right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. When me and Gino come back, we got some QB questions to ask as we kind of prepare for this all-time Eagles draft later on this week. I want to see where Gino's head is at with these quarterbacks, maybe a little bit of a scouting report, and uh, me as well. Uh, we'll get into that in segments two and right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, we are sponsored today by RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to RockAuto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this edition of Locked On. Eagles, Louis DiBiase, alongside my co-host, Gino Camilleri. All right, Gino, let's get into some quarterback questions here. I got five for you. We'll get into three here in segment three, or excuse me, two, and then we got two for you in segment three as we prepare for this all-time Eagles draft that me, you, Lars Lewis, and Jordan Hanskin are going to do on the show at the end of this week. And I thought it'd be fun because, I don't know, With we all have uh, we have four first-round picks here. Lars is picking first, I go second, uh, Jordan goes third, and then you're picking around last, but it is a snake draft, so you'll have the first pick in the second round and I do imagine and i'm not I'm not guaranteed to know this, but um I do imagine most of those picks will be quarterbacks, so let's get into some quarterback questions um, because i don't know I, I would say you know the Eagles quarterback history is. I would I would say it's pretty good. You know, it's not to the level of, you know, some of the best teams, you know, some of these dynasties, right, in NFL history, but it, it's got a lot of successful players and even the players that weren't really successful in the winning category, they were a lot of fun to watch, right? Like the Randall Cunninghams of the world and the Michael mm-hmm. Vicks. So let me ask you this first question though. Because it's it's funny, like the most entertaining quarterbacks I would say aren't the guys you're talking about when it comes to, like, goat status in Eagles history. I I would say when it's coming down to who is the best Eagles quarterback of all time right now, it's uh, Donovan McNabb is the first guy, right? Mm -hmm. And then, just based on the quality of what they did, not just the quantity and the the long-term, you know, uh, ability, Nick Foles, I think, is the other guy you got to talk about because he is the quarterback that won you a Super Bowl. So I ask you, who do you think is the best Eagles quarterback of all time? There's different ways to interpret it, but, like, how do you interpret it, and who do you think the answer is? Oh,
1: man. That, you know
0: what I mean? Because, like, McNabb has the quantity, right? It's, it has, has to be years. Donovan
1: just because of the consistency for that early time. Okay. And then in his late part of his Eagles career, had almost a resurgence and a rebirth. And Well, his, that's his, his last the...
0: year, man, they went 11-5, and five and, you know, he was – He was producing with, I mean, he finally had, you know, young weapons, right? Rookie Macklin and McCoy and Deshaun Jackson, Leonard Weaver, Brent Selleck.
1: It's easy to get caught up in the Nick Foles and winning the Super Bowl, of course. I mean, that's just a historic run. But Donovan, with what he had, I think far exceeded the production that any other quarterback in that system would have had. Simply because you look at his receivers – and what he had to deal with outside of that one season with Terrell Owens, and you kind of saw it once uh, rookie Deshaun Jackson came to town, that he needed that big play threat that he never really had. And, man, he went to four straight NFC Championship games with Todd Pinkston, James Thrash, Hank Basket. I mean, he did it with nobodies. We talk about this historic run that Wentz went on with that 4-0 stretch of playing with Deontay Burnett and all them. I mean, Donovan did it for five straight seasons. (laughs) I guess that's true, He was doing it with nobody. I mean, it's it's easy to get caught up in how much he trashes, like, Carson Wentz and everything. Well, I think that's why people don't
0: hype him up as much is because of the way, I don't know, his post-playing career has gone down. And I think there's a lot of Eagles fans that they didn't like him coming into the league, and they stuck with that. And because he couldn't win the big one, they held that against him when, yeah, Gino, like, he was throwing to nobodies and winning consistently in in huge moments. Huge moments, man. I mean, he we talk about Michael Vick. He beat arguably the best
1: version of Michael Vick Michael Vick that the NFL has ever seen. And he did that in two thousand four and arguably that might have been the best team that they went up in any NFC championship game. I mean that that Tampa team was historic, don't get me wrong, but Man, that Atlanta team was young. Mike Vick had everything going right for him at that time, and and he did it, man. And to lose to that Patriots team, it was just – it was destiny for them. We talk about the Eagles' destiny when Nick Foles won it. The Patriots were destined to have that 3P. Like, they were just – they had everything going right for them. The Eagles, I mean, Terrell Owens played with a broken freaking ankle, for goodness sakes. Like, he had had four screws in his ankle. I mean, what what could you expect to that degree, but – As a body of work, to me, Donovan McNabb is just, he is the GOAT of Eagles quarterbacks as it stands. I'd say tiering-wise, I'd put Donovan in a league of his own. I'd put Nick Foles in like a 2A category just because of the Super Bowl. And then 2B, I'd have Carson Wentz, Randall Cunningham, Ron Jaworski, and then Mike Vick under
0: I think Wentz is going to be the guy when it's all said and done, but right now I I would say it's between McNabb and Foles. And it's, you know, again, it's open for interpretation. I actually would say maybe it's just more so because I'm, I'm valuing just the weight of maybe one or two things over, yes, McNabb clearly has the bigger body of work compared to anybody. I mean, this guy won consistently for 10 years, and yes, fans hold against him that he didn't win a ring. But he made it to what five NFC Championship games? The Eagles were consistently winning. I mean, how many losing years would have, won a have ring with,
1: like, if They man. played Pittsburgh, man. Like I'm yeah, so confident, <laughs> he
0: would have. I know, man. It's a it's a big what if in Eagles history. But I will say, I would pick Foles just because I'm more so valuing the quality over the quantity. The the weight of just to me, what he did in a couple games means more than anything any other player has done. And it's not just that. In 2017, you know, he he destroys the number 1 defense in the NFC Championship game and then, you know, shoot, uh, wins a shootout against the best to me dynasty in NFL history, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But then, you know, in 2013, he had this historic season with 27 touchdowns and two picks. 2018, he once again takes a 6 and 7 Eagles team to the divisional round, almost got them back to the NFC title. So, yes, I think McNabb has the best body of work from when it comes to a quantity perspective, but I just, I mean, Nick Foles is the guy with the statue outside of the stadium, and what he did, it wasn't like he was riding the coattails of a Ravens defense like Trent Dilfer was. He was at a historic level of playing that year, and he's had some other really incredible runs as well. So I'll go Foles, but I I get your logic as well. I I really just think it depends on what you're valuing when when it comes to the goat talk.
1: Absolutely, and Donovan McNabb, man, like, uh, we live here in New York. I was a Syracuse football fan growing up. Like I used to go to all the games with my dad. His boss had season tickets, and I fell in love with McNabb. And it was kind of part of the reason I became to become an Eagles fan. And and to me, like you talk about, just guys on the run that could throw outside the pocket, like. Whew. Man, I think Doug Peterson could design a hell of an offense for like, that doesn't he, get right He doesn't
0: get enough credit for his mobility because he's sandwiched in with some... I mean, the Eagles have had some of the best mobile quarterbacks right. of all time, right? So, like, you think of Cunningham and Vic, mm-hmm. but... I, yeah, I agree, man. I like, think, if he's
1: a Bills quarterback, comparing him to Jim right. Kelly, like, yeah, he's obviously
0: yeah, he way just, better he, than yeah, that guy. His, his scrambling ability isn't talked about a lot because... The Eagles have had so many damn Houdinis. You've got to include Carson Wentz in there as well. All right, so you pick McNabb as the GOAT. I'll go with Nick Foles. But here's a different uh, view on this now. Quarterback question number two, who is the most talented Eagles quarterback of all time? Just from a physical you know, ability standpoint, who would you want as a coach, you know, blank canvas, I want to mold that quarterback into a star, who would it be? There's, there's some, it's, this one's a tough one. I
1: think I have to answer this with three different options. I think if you're going to talk like pure pocket passer, like prototypical quarterback, I want Ron Jaworski any day of the week. Like Jaws, he he just was the quarterback. Like you have him in the pocket, he's going to throw it on your throat. Like we know that. Even though his numbers are atrocious, but like that's who I would want as a quarterback just as a pure pocket passer. As a scrambling running type quarterback, somebody who just has like the playmaking ability – I think Randall Cunningham right now, like in today's day and age, would just be absolutely electric. I want Carson Wentz. I want Carson Wentz to be my quarterback any day of the week simply because he's kind of a – you take the best from all of these guys, like the strength, arm strength, the jaws, uh, and Randall Cunningham and Mike Vick, like toss that into Carson Wentz. He has that. The IQ of Ron Jaworski and how smart Michael Vick was back in the day and how smart Donovan McNabb was – I think you kind of put them all into Carson Wentz. And just as pure, you talk about Houdini. And like, that was Randall's game. And that was Mike's game. Carson Wentz is making a career out of that himself. Like, I think he has this hybrid ability. And to sit in the pocket as well, man. Like, how many times have we just seen him sit in there, just wait and wait and wait, and just deliver a bomb when you thought the play was over? He just really, to me, as a blank canvas, is everything I want in a quarterback. Six foot six. He's incredibly dex. He, he's dexterous to a degree, with minus these ridiculous injuries that he's gotten a hold of. But all in all, I would take Carson Wentz ten times out of ten.
0: Interesting. I yeah, I think it's close between. I would go Carson Wentz, Michael Vick, and Randall Cunningham. And I think Michael Vick's the most talented Eagles quarterback ever. I think when you combine the speed and that that explosiveness, only I've I've only seen that in Lamar Jackson. I think Carson Wentz and Randall mm. Cunningham, like they have speed and their scrambling ability is there amongst the best to ever do it. But I think it's in a different style. Michael Vick, just that, I mean, it, it, he it feels like you had like a Deshaun Jackson or Tyree Kill type of athlete at quarterback. And it wasn't just that. It was the combination of that and just the flick of the wrist arm power. I mean, you know, like we go to that Monday night football game in 2010. The first play, Vic hits Deshaun Jackson like 70 plus yards down the field, and it looked so easy. He had such a fluid throwing motion, and when you combine all of that, and I think he had good touch on the football as well. And it's it's tough because Wentz and Cunningham also have a lot of the same traits, and they have that size um, that Vic doesn't have. But if I were to choose just one guy from a just talent perspective, I might go Michael Vick.
1: That's fair. I mean, if you look at at his peak, who was like who could do it all? I mean, as a passer, Michael Vick does not get the respect he deserves. Simply, I think because he's the guy
0: he's, that defenses wouldn't want to game plan against the most of anybody.
1: No, I mean, take it right now. Like he was Lamar Jackson twenty years before Lamar Jackson was he Lamar was, Jackson, yeah. and probably even better. I mean, I think there's a lot of recency bias with Lamar Jackson. Like Vic to me is a trillion times better than Lamar as a passer.
0: Interesting. I, I think from a just pure arm strength and you know touch, just the physical abilities, I'm, I'm probably with you there. So you know he's not the most accomplished by any means. Um, not even compared to to Wentz or Cunningham. But yeah, I think most talented, I'd go. I'd go Vic. One more question here for you before we take our final break. QB question number three: Who do you think had the best individual quarterback season? in franchise history. So who had the best individual season? This one, I have a couple options, but I want to hear yours first.
1: Oh, it's got to be Nick Foles, 27-2. I mean, if we're going to talk about the greatest game ever, like I'm going to toss Nick Foles in there, that Raiders game is just absolutely just a belligerent mess of defensive coordinating on the Raiders' behalf. And (laughs) Nick Foles just went out there and had a heyday. But to me, how do you finish with... 27 touchdowns and two interceptions and losing that freaking playoff game, man. Like, i left never get the field over it. Dude, I hate he, the Saints so much, but that was yeah. such a spectacular season. <laughs> he to, left the field with the lead, Nick too, man. Total. It's unfortunate because, to me, if it, you look at just seasons across the entire history of the franchise, and, and to me, I mean, Carson Wentz in that 2017 MVP-esque type year, Donovan McNabb had a couple MVP-esque type years, but 27-2 and two to me, man, it's just something that probably will never be touched by QB in maybe ever.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, I don't know, from a numbers perspective, yeah, I don't know if anybody will have that kind of ratio, like 27 touchdowns in two picks. But, Gino you know, and, and there's a bunch. The, all the ones that came to my head, I wrote down 2013 Nick Foles, 2010 Michael Vick, 2004, Donovan McNabb. 1990, Randall Cunningham. But none of those top to me 2017, Carson Wentz. I've never right. felt it, more it was times. Surreal. It was... Yeah, I've never felt in a season more that teams literally just had no answer for your quarterback and what he mm-hmm. did no matter what he tried it always seemed like it worked out in 2017 I mean some of the plays Wentz was able to pull off the amount of wild plays I mean you talk about like that Monday Night Football game against Washington right in uh, both times against the Redskins he did that against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football the Rams the Bears all these crazy I was at that plays. Bears game
1: and I had a perfect view of from behind the end zone. When he spun out
0: Crave on Add the that,
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, and I just remember sitting there and, and, like you said, how many wow plays, and and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right here because there was that aura around that team that, like you said, they just didn't have an answer. And, like, that's what 2004 felt like. And that's what, to me, that, that 2013 Nick Foles season kind of felt like, too, is, like, none of these teams know how to answer against this quarterback. And it was kind of like when they're just one step ahead, like, they were the first team in in 2013 to implement that Chip Kelly fast pace offense that really got them in a groove. And then 17, it was that kind of RPO and how proactive they were at the quarterback position. And but to me, man, like uh, he should have won MVP. I'll I'll still hold that even in 13 games. Like what he did in that time frame, was just way better than what Tom did, in my opinion.
0: And he had a uh, record-setting season of 33 passing touchdowns the most in franchise history. And and the tear he was on, I mean, again, he was getting pulled in, like, the third quarter. And that that tear he was on in October and November during that nine-game win streak. I mean, again, you know, like, he wasn't even finishing games because he was dismantling teams. He had four games with four passing touchdowns. And, again, you go from, like, week five against Arizona up until, I would say, like, week two Right around that, that Dallas game, I mean, the the numbers he was putting up. Against Arizona, four touchdowns, one pick. The next week against Carolina, three touchdowns, no picks. Against Washington, I was at that game against on Monday Night Football. I don't think I'll ever see an athlete dominate live more than Wentz did that night. Four touchdowns, one pick. Uh, against San Fran, he had two. And then against Denver, who was one of the best defenses in the league, he put up four touchdowns, I mean... I, again,
1: gave to leave the <laughs> yeah, ultimate yeah. move of so, a lifetime.
0: And again, like Cunningham was an MVP candidate in 1990, Michael Vick was in 2010, Nick Foles and McNabb in 2004 and 2013. But yeah, I, I think personally, nobody was stopping Carson Wentz that season, and I, I I think that's the best quarterback play this franchise has ever seen. But there's a ton of good ones uh, because. Like you said with Foles in twenty thirteen, it, it felt similar, dominance wise, and uh, the same with all of those players and you know, they all came close, but none of them won a VP. I, I think Carson Wentz, I agree with you, man. I think Brady was more of the the you know, plan B because Wentz went down, but I still think he should have won uh, MVP in 2017. Alright, we got to hit a quick break right here on the Lockdown Eagles Podcast. When we come back, i got two more quarterback questions for Mr. Gino Camilleri. Louis DiBiase here joining you as well on the Lockdown Eagles Podcast, and we are sponsored today as well by our friends at Bilt Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first order. They've got 20 awesome flavors, 20 great grams of protein, in each bar. It's a great alternative to the snack of your choice. I personally love the orange vanilla uh, Bilt Bar is there. My favorite right now I've been rocking those but they've got so many good ones as well. Cookies and cream, peanut butter uh, mint chocolate, you name it your, your style Built Bar has it. Also uh, the built Boost energy drink mixes are available at builtbar.com. You can get $10 off your first order of the built Boost energy mixes or built Bars by using the promo code LOCKDOWN. We thank built Bar for sponsoring Lockdown Eagles today. All right, Eagles fans, let's wrap up this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Eagles here with some quarterback questions. Louie DiBiase here and Gino Camilleri as we get ready for the all-time Eagles draft later this week on the network, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you will get that two-episode series downloaded into your phone or it will be available as well on LockdownEagles.com. All right, Gino, we got into who the best Eagles quarterback of all time is, who's the most talented, the best individual season a quarterback's had in franchise history. I've got two more questions for you and one is another individual one here. So we talked about best individual season. What's the best individual game where an Eagles quarterback just was not going to be stopped? There's a lot of good ones.
1: (laughs) I know, man. I mean, Randall and Jaws, of course, they have theirs back in the day, and Donovan just he went on stretches. But to me, I mean, you have to probably look at the Minnesota NFC Championship game from Nick Foles Over probably the Super Bowl? was.
0: Mine's, mine's the Super Bowl.
1: I would just say because he there was no turnovers. I mean it was flawless. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, that one to Elshon that probably could have went a different way, but it that was as flawless of a a pass and throw offense as you could ever see. Against I mean, the that number
0: one ranked defense, mind you, too.
1: Yeah, that pass to Torrey Smith, like. The Eagles' gods were looking down on on that flea flicker at the no time. No room and for
0: error, right? No
1: room. No, you had to throw it right into the pylon, and it was just a beautiful throw. And that was kind of the moment. I'm like, this is it, man. Like this was the game. It was it was flawless. Everything that had to go their way did, and they just absolutely smoked them. I mean, the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. Like that pass to Clement, unbelievable. The play Alshon made, unbelievable. Zach Ertz, that play. I mean, Philly, Philly, go figure. But Man, you got to put one foot in front of the other, and that was just—I think—that NFC Championship game was the spark. Like it's they like choosing were between not your two babies, beaten.
0: dude. It's like choosing between your two kids, because <laughs> that's Focus
1: choice, man. I, it really is. I wrote
0: down Nick Foles versus the Patriots, and um, Wentz... There, there's two regular season games that were up there too. Carson Wentz, 2017, Monday Night Football against Washington. Michael Vick, 2010, Monday Night Football against Washington. Uh, Donovan McNabb also had a pretty crazy game against the Packers in 2004, where he had 464 passing Holy yards and five man. touchdowns with no picks. Like That one is not... And he completed 74% of his throws on 43 attempts. Like that, that game isn't talked about enough as well. There was also one in 1990 where Randall Cunningham had five touchdowns against the Patriots. It's available in full on YouTube. I Recommend you go check it out because Cunningham, that game. Again, you talk about a player that was in the wrong era. It was Cunningham, but yeah, it's it's the NFC title game or the Super Bowl, and I'll go with the Super Bowl just because everything Nick Foles did. I mean, it it was so. Again, it was like what I'm talking about with Wentz in 2017. There was just no stopping him whatever you did. And it felt the same way with Foles those two weeks where, I mean, you talked about it, that Corey Clement touchdown, how Nick Foles fit that ball in there in like triple coverage – I'll never understand. I mean, the touch passes along the sidelines to Alshon, to Ertz, to Aguilar. I mean, you talk about he's the one that dialed up Philly Philly and he actually caught the football, unlike Tom Brady. And let's not forget, you know, that when they're trailing in that game, 33-32, to on fourth and one with a blitzer in his mouth, Nick Foles gets the ball off to Zach Ertz and moves the chains. And if they don't get that play, they lose the game. So the combination of just so many, like on the biggest stage, these legendary moments that Foles pulled off. And the fact that, you know, he has three touchdowns in that game, 373 yards. They put up 40 plus points and outduel Tom Brady, who threw for 500 yards that game. I just, I don't know. And, and I'm with you with the, with the NFC title game as well. That two week stretch is, I can't believe the quarterback play they had in 2017. The combination of Wentz and Foles, man, I don't know if you'll ever see anything like that again.
1: I mean, you can look back to the 2013 Oakland game too. I mean, that was flawless as well. He's in the Hall of yeah. Fame for it. He just he just has these individual performances, man, that are just the strangest career worldly. of all
0: time, man, in all of sports. I'll never under, I mean, just the it's gonna be legend, a hell of a biopic. On <laughs> Bulls in it really years. is, dude. I mean, from legendary he's got jerseys in the Hall of Fame to so then he can't even, you know, be a starter. And then he's back to the Super Bowl MVP, and then he can't beat out Garner Minshew. I, I mean, hopefully I'm rooting for him, and I really hope he beats out Mitchell Trubisky. If he doesn't he beat out
1: Trubisky, it's time to hang him up. Yeah, so good, and, and
0: that that will really top <laughs> off what would be this, the strangest career to me in not just NFL history, but all of sports. But he definitely, I think, owns at least three of the best individual performances in quarterback history uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. One more for you, Gino. This one is a little bit different. I saw this one actually on Eagles Instagram. It was just a fan account. I I love those accounts, actually, because they they come up with some fun questions that I like to use on the show. And this one is a goal line scenario. You have time for one more play inside the 10-yard line. You're down by four points, so you need a touchdown. So, again, time for one more play down by four. You have your pick of any quarterback in Eagles history, Who's getting you in the end zone?
1: That's This is probably the hardest one, man. I mean, you could take the easy one and say Nick Foles simply because he's done it. But it, to me, I'd have to say either Donovan or Carson simply because Donovan has done it, done it so many times. And then Wentz, just in the red zone, how pure and how good he is. It's just how can you take his efficiency out of the red zone and want somebody else? I mean, would he throw 21 and zero interceptions in the listen, red zone listen last Listen to these year?
0: numbers for Carson Wentz in the red zone. This is why I would take him. And also, Gino, like in this scenario, Wentz showed that he can be clutch and show up in these moments. So like that's that's where you maybe talk about Foles. He, he did it in 2018 as well. on Fourth and goal against Chicago. McNabb has done it in big moments. But I think Wentz showed last year and the past three years he can do that. And then, like you just hinted at, Listen to these elite red zone numbers for Carson Wentz. 72 touchdowns and two picks in the red zone since 2016. Okay, Last year year he was one of three quarterbacks to record this in in the red zone. 20-plus touchdowns and no interceptions. Since 2017 in the red zone, he has a 107.2 QBR. Only Drew Brees, a Hall of Famer, has a better QBR. So for me in this scenario, when it comes to the combination of red zone efficiency and clutch gene, there's a lot of good options, but I'm taking number 11.
1: I seriously have to, man. I mean, especially when you're in the red zone, he's done it so many times. And to me, that efficiency is just something you can't take off the field. And I'm beyond excited to see what he does next year. And I could see that streak just continuing because, to me, he just he makes such smart decisions in the red zone. And, and that's key. When you get to the red zone, the key is to score. And it's not just about getting three points. It's about throwing touchdowns. And he's done that, man. And he doesn't turn the ball over in those areas, which is huge. And if you're in a huge moment, the last thing you want is Russell Wilson to turn the ball over when you should be running it. You want a guy that's going to be clutch. And to me, Carson Wentz is that guy.
0: Alright, man, this was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed this edition of Lockdown Eagles with you, my friend. Uh, We're going to be back again this week. We're going to do the all-time Eagles draft. It's going to be a two-part series, either Thursday and Friday, or Friday and Saturday. We're just working out the kinks. We want to get all our schedules lined up so we can make this a really fun production. So, make sure you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a ton of fun with myself, Gino Camilleri, Lars Lewis, and Jordan Hanskin. Subscribe to the podcast on any platform, or head over to LockdownEagles.com. It will be available on all of those platforms, as well as This show and all the other ones in the past at com or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're available. And we're always talking birds on Twitter after the show, at L O E and at Gino underscore LOE. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go birds.
1: Fly, Eagles, fly.